Lord, thank you just for this morning, just for this, uh, this chance we get to be in your word and the chance that we get to uh, gather in some way, shape, or form. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, speak through me, use uh, my mouth to say what you want to say and not what I want to say. Lord, I ask that you would just take control of, of the sermon, Lord, and just uh, use it to your glory. I ask that you would just help us to listen and to understand and to also apply this to our lives uh, so that we may grow closer to you and just... Um, just have greater fellowship in you and with, and with each other. So, Lord, I pray these things in your name. Amen. So who wants to read chapter 4, verses 1 through 11? Or do I have to pick? Anybody? No takers? Hey, Ryan, could you read those, those verses? One uh, four verses one through eleven. Okay, let me just let me just find it. I don't know. I don't really know what's talking about. Um, remember where Ruth is? It's right after Ruth. Yeah, chapter what? Four one through eleven. Okay. Now Israel went into a battle against the Philistines, and encamped <laughs> beside. Ebenezer and the Philistines camped in Apek. Then the Philistines put themselves in the battle array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of, an, of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why was the Lord defeated? Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh or Silo to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim, cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, where were that were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came out, into the camp of all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord has come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, but they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was 
very there was a very great slaughter and there fell of and there fell of Israel's thirty thousand foot soldiers. Also the Ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli Hophni and Phineas died. Woo! Man, what a uplifting uh, portion of scripture, eh? <laughs> but there's definitely uh, something to learn in these in this short story, and it's pretty straightforward as to what happens. Um, so let's us begin with the uh, first. Well, let's go back and give kind of a background to where Israel is at this moment in their history, and also some of the beginning bits of one Samuel, because some people um, in in the story that we've just read will come up. Um, and it's important to know the context in which you're, you're reading. So firstly, um, Israel, as we know, went through the Exodus. They came out of Egypt. They traveled for 40 years through the desert, doing a bunch of circles and everything. Um, and they were uh, kind of had this roller coaster of, you know, trusting the Lord and not trusting the Lord and then sinning and then repenting and all these things. Um, and it's kind of a pattern you see with, with Israel. And even in our own lives, we can see that as well because um, we are, we fail all the time. So, so um, they get into the, um, the promised land in Joshua. We see how they uh, kind of claimed most of the land. They didn't claim all of it. They didn't uh, wipe out every single um, nation that they were supposed to wipe out. Um, and so they're, of course, you have like the Philistines in this portion that we're reading that they continue to have fights with and, and everything. Um, and then um, after Joshua dies, there's the book of Judges, where you have multiple kind of judges that um, the Lord brought up for Israel to um, kind of bring them back to God. These judges weren't really the best of people, um, at least when it comes to their morality, but God kind of used them to bring Israel back to um, worship him and, and um, not kind of worship the gods that they had um, had been worshiping, which were the gods of the people that they didn't um, take out of the land. So, and the Lord over many times, he, you know, said, you know, make sure you take me out of the people uh, that were in the land that I give you because you're going to fall to their gods. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, he even prophesies that. So that's the book of Judges. Um, let's see. And then the book of Ruth, we, you guys went through with Desney. You kind of know that that kind of sets up the line of David. Um, and then, of course, then even down into um, Jesus Christ being born. So then we finally get to the book of Samuel. And it starts with this, uh, this guy named Elkanah. Um, he is an Ephraimite. So he lives, he's from the tribe of Ephraim. And he has two wives. He has Hannah and um, Peniah. And ha uh, Hannah had no children, while Peniah did have children. And Hannah, uh, Peniah would kind of brag and make fun of Hannah for having no children, but uh, Elkanah loved Hannah more because, it, I don't know, it doesn't exactly say, but he, he truly loved her even though she didn't have children. Um, but every, every year when they went to the yearly sacrifice in Shiloh, um, she would bring her own offering and she would pray to the Lord that she would receive uh, a child. And at one of these times, she goes and she prays, she brings her offering, and she prays, you know, if you give me a son, I will then give this child back to you um, and he'll be yours forever, you know, until, until his death. Um, and so she makes this pact. And then the um, high priest at the time, Eli, 
she's he's there he sees her praying he says he looks and she her her, her lips are moving but no words are coming out and he's like go go home don't be you know drunk at the at the place of worship and she's like i'm not drunk i was just praying and he's like okay well the lord uh, bless you and and um fulfill what you asked of him so she goes home and she ends up uh, having a son she names him samuel and um and once she gets old enough she then brings him to the house of the lord to eli um, in shiloh and gives him to the lord's service and from that point on to the end of his days he also became the last judge of israel if you want to call him that um and he served at the house of the lord and judged israel for his whole his whole life um the two sons of eli that were there um that were serving as priests were phineas and hopfany um good good try trying to say those names are pretty difficult um they weren't the best of people especially uh, if you want someone to be a, a priest you definitely don't want them to be priests they were greedy they would take bribes from the people they would take from the offerings that people would bring to um the house of the lord and they take out more than they should have they take uh, the fat which the fat was supposed to be uh totally all the fat of the animal would be burned um, as a burnt offering and they would take some of the fat and so it definitely caused people when they came to the um the temple in shiloh to kind of regret doing it or not want to do it and they wouldn't we wouldn't go and it kind of caused people to not follow the lord in that case because they didn't want to have to deal with um phineas and hopney so Eli knew of this, but he did nothing to, to, to it. I mean, he would, he talked to his, his sons, but they didn't change. So uh, he, he was kind of, even though he was a good priest, he didn't take charge of his house. And so because of that, the Lord uh, told him through Samuel and through another person that his line would end and his sons would die in the same day. So that's pretty much where we're at uh, at the end of chapter three. And it's actually the first sentence of chapter four. It says, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. So this is Samuel um, and he's kind of grown up and people have heard of him and he starts to prophesy and um, lead the people. So chapter, or sorry, verse one. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel and when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And then chapter, verse three, uh, part one. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us, defeated us today before the Philistines? And so we know that Samuel had become a great prophet in the land. People knew of him. People heard his, his, uh, his words and his, his preaching. Um, and so that kind of sets up his ministry that he has in Israel. <clears throat> in the beginning of the, the story, the main body of the story, we have the fighting men of Israel are gathered together for war. Um, and the enemy as of course, has, as they have been for a while, are the Philistines. They're quite a common enemy. They bordered the land of Israel on the east. They were on the kind of the west coast of the Mediterranean. Uh, if you look at the Gaza Strip um, nowadays, that's about the area that they um, inhabited. They're a pagan group, of course. Um, they didn't believe or they didn't worship the God of Israel. They do believe in him, as we will see in a couple uh, verses. Um, and so they had many, many gods. And one of the biggest ones were Baal and also, um, you see, Dagon 
in one of the next chapters. Um, so those are the kind of the big um, gods that they had. Um, this the first fight that we see with the Philistines is not actually in Judges. They don't fight them in um, in Joshua when they conquered the land. Um, it's actually in Judges, um, and from that point on, they just were constant in constant battle. They usually go every spring. <clears throat> you see it with David. They go and they fight with the Philistines. Uh, this is the same group of people that Goliath would come from. And then the Philistines, they, they remained an enemy of Israel until the Babylonian captivity. That's when Babylon came in and kind of took control of the whole region. They took away the people, moved them around. And so um, in the history books, Philistine kind of just ends there because Babylon took them out and they never were able to come back to their land and then continue as a group of people. So we see that Israel gathers at this place called Ebenezer. It means a stone of help. And Aphek um, is where the Philistines are gathered. It means either strong or fortified city. So it's a place that is designed to be very strong. It probably has huge walls and defenses. Um, and so it gives them great strength. Whereas Israel would just be encamped in a, a camp, really wouldn't have had a, um, a place or a, a town in which they, they um, defended at this point. Um, it says in um, verse three, that, excuse me, yeah, it says in yeah, verse three, why has the Lord defeated us today? Um, and I, I believe it can mean that the Lord himself defeated them, because if you look at, you know, the state of Israel, they were worshiping other gods, they weren't all following the, the commands of the Lord, they broke its covenant, and so it does say in previous chapters that, um, or in previous books, that the Lord would be actually against them, and we'll see that in a second, um, and also the Lord allowed them to be defeated. So it could either mean um, the Lord allowed them or the Lord was even against them, but we'll see um, in the covenant in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68, which is a huge section that um, if Israel forsook God, that his anger would turn against them and allow them to be defeated um, in many different ways, and if you look at that chapter, Deuteronomy 28, the first 15 verses are about the blessings they would receive, and the the remaining um, verses from 15 to 68 were all about what would happen to Israel if they didn't um, follow him, if they forsook him, which is kind of an interesting contrast, um, but that's for another um, topic. So why have they they've been defeated? Well, they, um, they were very sinful. They worshiped other gods. They forsook God. They forgot about his commandments, and they did, as it says in the book of Judges multiple times, they did what they thought was right in their own eyes. So they were very um, demoralized in that sense. And then secondly, um, when they went into battle here, <clears throat> there was no mention of them asking God to go with them. Um, they kind of just, it looks, it just says that they, they went into battle and they lost. And so they, they didn't seem to go to God first and um, ask him for a blessing. They just went into battle. And then a possible reason, um, and we'll see this kind of build up and come to that point um, in chapter two, Eli receives the prophecy that um, his house will end and his sons would die on the same day. This defeat, as we saw when we read it the first time, sets up um, the, the next battle for, in which the, um, the, those two sons would die. So the Lord's hand is probably in it and kind of making this happen in, in, in such of this way. So we go to the second part of verse three. They say after 
um, asking why did the Lord allow us to be defeated today? Um, they say, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to, from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So let's take a break from the story, and we'll talk about the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. Anyone know what the Ark of the Covenant is? It's, um, it was a golden ark that housed the Ten Commandments and had God dwelling, dwelling between the cherubim. And it, inside good. the temple tabernacle, it was placed in the holy, holiest place where only his priest would go once a year. It's a good overview. Yeah. First and foremost, um, when, when God gave um, the ark and the plans to the ark to Moses in Exodus 25, 22. When he finishes what it's going to look like, what it's going to be made, what it's going to be made of. Um, it's made of, um, uh, I forget, the wood. Anyhow, it's made of wood and it's overlaid with gold. Um, and there he says, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything in which I will give you in commandment to the Israel, children of Israel. So this is the place where God would meet with, with Moses and also the high priests. He would dwell there. His, his presence would be there. And it was kept in the Holy of Holies, a place that the high priest would only go once a year on the, on the yearly sacrifice. Um, and it was a very specific kind of process for him to go into there, sprinkle blood on the altar, um, on, on the, the Holy of Holies. Um, and they were only allowed in there once a year, uh, just because the, uh, the glory of the Lord would fill that room. And it was, if they weren't purified, if they didn't go through the proper process, they would just instantly die if they went into that room um, without the proper processes. Um, what is in the ark? We have a couple things. The 10 commandments was said, that is true. Um, these are the rules in which they were to follow. Um, it was also the second copy of the rules, because if you remember when um, Moses went on to the mount, um, oh, why is it? Uh, it's coming out of my head. What is, I forget what mountain he was on. Doesn't he help me? Sinai. That's the one, yes, not Sinai. Um, good job. Sometimes you just forget. Uh, mount Sinai, he, had, he was given the first set of rules, and then um, when he came down and saw that the Israelites were sinning, he threw them down and broke them into pieces. So when he went back up, he had to chisel his own um, more, uh, own set of um, kind of rocks. And the Lord once again wrote down the same commandments. And so this is his second, um, second copy of those rules. And we, as we know, um, they weren't able to keep those rules. There's also Aaron's staff that budded when the people rebelled against the uh, leading of Aaron and Moses. They said, why, why are you guys chosen as leaders? You know, who, who should be the leader? You know, we want to, we want to go to the Lord and see if this is like the right way to lead. And so um, they, each tribe of Israel brought forth a leader with a staff and they put it into the, te the, the ark or not the ark, but the, um, the tent of uh, meeting. And when the next day, when they took it out, only Aaron's staff had budded, and so that was God's, you know, decree saying, Aaron, yes, Aaron is the proper leader for, um, for the people of Israel in, in, the, in the tabernacle. Um, and then second, uh, thirdly, you have the manna. This is the food which the Israelites ate when they were going through the 
uh, wilderness, uh, God provided for them. This is God's provision for them to survive. Now, of course, if you ate the same thing for 40, day, 40 years, um, if even 40 days, I think you might get a little tired of it. So they ended up hating this stuff um, that they had given. It is said that manna is um, <clears throat> angel's food. Apparently, it's, it, it's just a speculation that this was what the angels ate. Uh, manna also means, uh, what is this? It's literally what manna means. And they weren't sure what it was. Um, and so this is God's provision and faithfulness to the Israelites, even though they were sin against him in the, in the wilderness, he would still provide for them so that way they wouldn't die. Um, and when they ended up hating it, they asked for quail, which is a weird thing to ask for. And they ended up getting quail, literally it says out their ears. They were so loaded down with quail in the camp that um, they couldn't even handle that. So it kind of showed them to be humble about what they had in a way. So if you look at those three things, each of those three things were kind of Israel's unfaithfulness. They hated the manna that they got and they asked for something different. They challenged the <clears throat> ruler or the leadership of what, of what God had you know, put forth. And then they broke the Ten Commandments and they had a second copy in there when they had sinned. So those three things show God's faithfulness, but Israelites, the Israelites' unfaithfulness. So when these were inside the ark and the, the Lord would be over the ark, you'd look down and see these three things. And so on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the altar, on the mercy seat. And instead of seeing these, the blood would kind of cover it and you wouldn't see that anymore. Their sins essentially would be covered. So it's a kind of a cool imagery that we see on the Day of Atonement. <clears throat> so going into the ark, into the battle, and they asked for the ark. Um, they asked for the wrong thing. This, this thing that they're bringing in, it's, they're, what they're using it for is not proper. They're not using it for the right thing. So um, also we see that they truly didn't understand why they, we're going back into the, uh, the story now, we've finished with the ark. Um, they didn't see why they won the battle, and so they continue to think on the wrong track, bringing the Ark of the Battle into a war. Now, there is only one time that is recorded where the Ark has been brought into battle, and that was at Jericho. God told them to take the Ark, go around the city for seven days, once, one time per day, except for the seventh day where they went around seven times, and, and that is the only time that they brought the Ark into battle, and that's because God told them to do that. That was God's kind of um, decree at that time. And why he told them to do that and not other times, uh, this is just an idea. Um, but this is like kind of their first huge battle. If you think about the, the city of Jericho, it's a huge city. They said that the walls were so thick that two chariots could ride on top of the walls. So this is a, an absolute huge uh, victory that they win. And so going up to battle, having this ark with them, they know these, these Israelites at that time they know that this is the ark. This is the ark of the Lord. The Lord is with them. So this kind of gave them a symbol that God was with them, because there was no idols of God or anything. So this is their first battle, hoping to give them um, just kind of the encouragement in that. <clears throat> now, if you look at the verse, it says that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So they're looking at this ark when they're bringing it into battle. They're looking at it as a tool. They're relying on this thing to save them. And this is actually considered idolatry. They're worshiping the thing, the thing that was a tool to get to fellowship with God. They're using this as an idol. 
and God in Deuteronomy 14, 15 through 16, he says he doesn't want an idol made of himself. So there's no idols of God. You can't make an image of God because they never saw his face. It says, take careful heed to yourselves for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the mists of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. God did not want them to make a, an image of himself because they wanted them, him, sorry, they wanted them to, to, um, to not make an idol and make this thing um, a, a thing of worship. <clears throat> so it of course is the wrong idea to bring the ark as an idol into battle to take the place of God and said they should have gone to God himself. That's verse three, we're going to verse four. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. So they did as they wanted. They, they asked for the Ark of the Covenant. And um, they, I do recognize one thing that when they say um, the Ark of the Covenant who dwells between the cherubim, they recognize the reason for the Ark. They recognize that that's where God is. Um, and they say the Ark of the Covenant now, this is the covenant, and which is the blessing and curses that we read in Deuteronomy or mentioned in Deuteronomy 28. So they recognize that this is, you know, this is a covenant that was between us. And, and at this point in time, they're not really following that covenant. So the fact that they had the audacity to even take it out of the place where it was um, is just kind of beyond me. Um, they recognize that's where the Lord was to meet them. Um, and they wanted to bring the Lord with them, but this is the wrong way to do it. As we told, we should, they should have gone to him and just prayed and uh, offered a sacrifice to ask him to be with them. Um, also, in the book of the law, the Lord calls them not to defile the land that he was giving to them because he would be living among them. In Numbers 35, 34, it says, therefore, do not defile the land in which you inhabit, in the midst of which I will dwell, for I, will, I the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. In essence, God is kind of already there with them anyway. Um, they don't need to bring this Ark of the Covenant with them and bring the Lord with them when he's among them anyhow. So <clears throat> the sons of Eli were there. As I said, they were um, kind of corrupt. So um, as proper priests, they should have known not to remove the Ark of the Covenant from where it was. Um, it is supposed to be in the temple, in the tabernacle. There was a temple at the time. Um, and they shouldn't have removed it. They also went into the Holy of Holies to take it out. So therefore, they're breaking the rule as to not go there during the Day of Atonement. So I assume since they were corrupt, they were um, just doing this to please the people, to please the army in hopes of their own gain, and more, more so than honoring the Lord. Verses 5 through 9, we'll read that real quick. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does this sound of this great shout in the camp of the Israelites mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had been come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they, has, as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So Israel was sure of their victory and the Philistines were made to be afraid. Now it's interesting. The Philistines knew of the God of Israel and they feared him more than the Israelites 
in this way, um, the, the Philistines were more faithful to God than the Israelites because they feared him. Israel did not fear God. They didn't fear his commandment. They didn't fear his, um, his rules um, and, and the things that he put into place. And so they took the Ark of the God of their own um, thoughts and desires and wants, and they removed it and they brought it into battle. It's kind of interesting that the, the, the Philistines kind of recognized the power of the Lord um, of, the, of Israel. So um, pretty quick. We're going through it pretty quick. But uh, verse 10 through 11. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tents and there was a great slaughter and there fell 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas died. So it's interesting in verse 10, it seems to be a subject change or a main subject or character change. It says that the Philistines fought. It doesn't say that Israel fought the Philistines. It says the Philistines fought. So it's almost as if the Israelites didn't even put up a fight. Um, they had trusted in this thing to win um, this, this ark as an idol and they were slaughtered. <clears throat> so it's kind of interesting just to see the, the language kind of change at that point. So that we're focusing on the Philistines. Um, and you can maybe look at it as God was kind of using the Philistines to, to um, kind of teach Israel a lesson. So um, I have no doubt that God allowed Israel to fail. They took his ark. Um, they, uh, it was carried by his sons uh, of Eli. They were detestable to him. And so God was, had prophesied that he was going to kill them. The people were sinful and they didn't consult him in this story. Um, and so that's where we're going to end. It's kind of a... a it leaves you off on a kind of cliffhanger. It's like, okay, Israel is defeated. Ark is gone. What happens next? I will actually get to that. But first, we get to look at the story and what we can learn from it. <clears throat> so four points I have. Um, we need to have the right relationship with God. We have to respect him, respect his rules, respect his, his authority. We have to include him in our lives. I mean, the Israelites didn't go to him. They didn't ask him for a blessing. They didn't uh, ask him to be with them. They thought they could bring him with them. Um, they thought they could put essentially God in a box and bring him. Um, they didn't honor him. They didn't honor his commandments. They didn't honor the, the way everything was supposed to happen. And they didn't love him. If they had loved him, they would have done all those things. Um, and so we have to do those things. We need to have the proper relationship with God. And if we have this relationship with God, he'll do our fighting. That's what God would have done. And we see, we'll see in the next little portion that I'll read to you that God does exactly that if they do all those things. Um, it was God's will that Israel would totally control the land of Canaan and be prosperous. Um, but um, Israel not, was not doing it God's way. They were doing it of their own strength, of their own desires, of their own thoughts, and they didn't do it the proper way. And so when we go to God and we, we desire things and want things to happen, we have to have this right relationship with him. You know, he wants the best for you or he wants really... Um, whatever is in his will for you, which in the end will be the best, will be what um, you need. Um, and so to do this, you need to have the proper relationship with him. Um, but let's go. Uh, one thing to note, though, we're not under the same covenant as, as the Israelites. They're under this covenant where if they do these things and if they sin, they have to sacrifice. We're not under that same covenant. We're under grace. So God, he knows we'll fail and he's gracious to us. And even in, 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 even to Israel, excuse me, he is gracious to them. 
So um, recognize that, that we do it, we are under grace and that we will fail and that it's okay, um, that God, he, he forgives us and he still loves us. And he, he even still loved uh, Israel, um, even though they were under a slightly different covenant. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting, Israel was gathered and encamped in this place called Ebenezer. And I told you that it meant uh, a stone of help or a rock of help. And there's an interesting story in a couple chapters on that um, of how it got its name. See, it's got its name after this battle. So this place that they had gathered didn't have a name um, at the time that they gathered, but it was given to them. They give, it was given a name afterwards. And this is from 1 Samuel 7. So I'm going to read that story right now. You'll see a lot of parallels, but you'll see also how they change their, um, their approach to going into battle. So it starts in chapter 7 saying, then the men of Kirjath-Jerim took the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the Ark of the Lord. And so it was that the Ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel, this is the Samuel that we uh, talked about, spoke to all Israel, of, all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks, from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the balls and the asterisks and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mitzpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mitzpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. So they fasted in that day and they said, we have sinned against the Lord. And the Samuel, And then Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mitzpah. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mitzpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord God for Israel, and the Lord answered them. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering to the Philistines, uh, of to him the philistines drew near to battle against israel but the lord thunder with, thundered with a great loud thunder upon the philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before israel and the men of israel went out of mitzpah and pursued the philistines and drove them back as far as beth car then samuel took a stone and set it up between mitzpah and shen and called its name ebenezer saying thus far the lord has helped us that's the story of the name or the place name of where the Israelites had gathered in chapter four. And so a couple of things to note. In that time, when they fought against the uh, Philistines, they had the right relationship with God. They, you know, they, they went to him, they, they included him, they respected him, they honored him, and they loved him at that point in time. <clears throat> they admitted their sins, they trusted in him, and they fought, and then therefore God fought their battle. So they had a relationship with God in verse four, where it says, so the children of Israel put away the balls and the asterisks, and they served the Lord only. They admitted their sins in verse 6. They trusted in God and not their own strength in verse 8. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And then in verse 10, we see that God fought their battle for them. He caused the, the Philistines to, to flee from just uh, a, a, a thunder, a loud thunder, which I guess scared them and confused them. 
And so in the same place that they had failed in their relationship to God and tried to defeat the Philistines of their own strength, Samuel goes to this place that didn't have a name and he places a stone, naming the stone in the place Ebenezer. And it's kind of a lesson. He went to the place where they failed and he took the lesson of this memorial of a lesson to that place where they had failed. Um, and, and this lesson was having the right relationship with God. <clears throat> so it's kind of an interesting and mind-blowing um, thought that you know Samuel did this. It doesn't say that Samuel purposely did this or that Samuel knew this is where the place that they had failed, but it just says that Samuel did this. So it's kind of a, an interesting lesson um, if you've read, if you look at the story of the stone of Ebenezer, or this place of Ebenezer, um, it just kind of shows that contrast of the different you know, relationships that they had with God at those different times and what God did to the same enemy that they were fighting. <clears throat> so that just shows, you know, the difference that it makes when you have a proper relationship with God, when you have a proper, you know, respect of God. So it kind of follows the theme that I had with uh, when I did John 15, which was a different relationship with God, how he is our father. Um, this is just uh, another type and another example of the, the proper relationship we should have with God. So that's what I have for today. I hope you were blessed. I hope you were, uh, you enjoyed it, that it was clear. Uh, do you have any questions about that? Cool. I'll pray and then we'll, uh, we'll chat. Lord, thank you just so much for uh, just the relationship that we get to have with you, that, that you um, who created the universe, you desire to have fellowship and to desire, desire to just be with us and be among us, Lord. Um, we just thank you so much just for the care that you give us, that you care for us each individually. You know our needs, you know our thoughts and the desires, Lord. I ask that you would just help us to grow in that relationship with you, that we'd get closer to you and we just have this, this proper and good relationship as, as close friends, Lord. And we, we know that Jesus no longer calls us servants, but we are friends, Lord. And so thank you so much just for that friendship and relationship we get to have with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>